Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Takes over, over. Today, we want to first welcome those watching live at all of our campuses today. God bless you. We got a word for you. Amen. Lift your Bibles high. Let's make our confession of faith. I like that song. But y'all was jumping and you should have been headbanging. It's the Jesus bang. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Just, 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 just grab your neighbor, get a look, just brace, and just do the Jesus bang. Just one time. Boom. Just one time. Just one time. One time. One time. One time. One time for your holy mind. <laughs> do it again. Grab him again. One time. One time. Uh, just, just one time. All right. Like Emerald. Bam. Lift your Bibles high. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed. And my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. life. Shout it out. Hallelujah. I want you to flip to Luke chapter 15. As you're flipping there, I want you to watch this trailer on the screens.
Somebody say, come home. Hallelujah. You got to Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. So he went to the wilderness. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. But when he came to himself, <laughs> your neighbor can't read, so I'm going to say it again. But when he came to himself, sometimes you got to go through a lot of hell for you to come to yourself. Sometimes you got go to go through a lot of pain before you can come to yourself. So, sometimes you got to get to the very bottom of the barrel before you can come to yourself. But, you, uh, but involuntarily or voluntarily, you're going to come to yourself. Uh, better you do it voluntarily. But he came to himself. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have enough bread and enough to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. Father, you hear me. You always hear me over these next few moments. I decrease that you might increase. Taylor, make customize this word for every person under the sound of my voice, whatever campus they're watching at. Father, do what only you can do, which is take the foolishness of preaching and be able to translate it into change in the lives of human beings. It, it does not make sense that you use imperfect people to preach a perfect gospel, but you do it anyhow, and it still yields results in our lives. And for that, we'll bless you today, yesterday, tomorrow. The day after that, as long as we've got breath in our body, there's going to be a praise that's going to come up out of our spirits. Thank you that we may have been prodigal at one time, but that was yesterday, and today is a brand new day, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. High five two or three people as you take your seat. Say, join the club and wear the t-shirt. Join the club and wear the t-shirt. Hallelujah. You've heard that saying before. I know you have. Uh, join the club and wear the t-shirt. It just simply means I've been there and let's finish it together. And I've done that. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 makes it very clear that we've all been there and we've all done that. We, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory or the goodness of God. I don't care how spiritual and how uh, uh, studious you look today. At some point or another, you had some issues going on. And those of us that will be real with God and real with ourselves will say, we still got some issues we're still working on. We, we ain't quite where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. Man, I'm down to cussing once a week. You, you better learn how to celebrate. Now, not me literally. I'm using that as an example now. All right. You got to celebrate your progress. You, you got to celebrate the fact that I know I'm not everything I want to be. I'm not everything God says I should be, but I'm making progress. Touch your neighbor say progress. Scripture says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, which means you have, you currently are, or you will at some point. The thing I found out about life is that that's typically the way things work. There's three stages of life. You're either coming out in it or going into it. We've all been prodigal at some point or another, and we've all needed God's grace, and we've all needed God's mercy. Anybody thankful? 
for God's grace and his mercy. See, mercy is where he doesn't give you what he ought to give you. And I mean that in a negative connotation. See, mercy is for the stuff you were doing, you ought to be dead. You ought to get that car accident should have killed you. You ought to be sleeping in your grave. That's mercy. But grace is where he gives you what you don't deserve. Grace is called favor. Anybody know something about favor? Well, you don't deserve the job, but God says, bam. You don't deserve the blessing, but God says, bam. You should be sleeping in your grave, but God says, rise up. I got something for you to do. Shout grace. We've all needed that. We, we, we've all needed that. We're walking in that. We're, we're living because of that right now. Man, the stuff and the people and the things. But ah, Jesus, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. And so, so we find in Luke 15, some versions of the Bible call it the parable of the lost son most of the new king james version call it the parable of the prodigal son and i said earlier that jesus used parables in order to utilize vivid imagery to demonstrate the point jesus tells the story of the prodigal son so well that you really think that's a real person you don't understand it's a parable it's it's a type it's a shadow to get people to be able to see the demonstrative or the demonstration of the point jesus was a wonderful storyteller because he understood how to say stuff that would touch people in just the right way you you, you know somebody like that that when they're communicating they are a sensationalist and when they're communicating to you, you know you're going to get every little nook and cranny and every little detail. And when they're telling you the story, you know they're going to add a little this and a little that. because You ain't laughing because you must be the sensationalist. Okay. You know when they tell the story, when they call you, you already know sensationalist on the phone. Girl! If it's a fella, man. What's going on? Did you see the new? <laughs> He's like, it ain't even that deep. But Jesus, he was a wonderful storyteller. He was, to some degree, he used sensation because there was no prodigal son per se, but he, this imagery makes you think it's real. And in every story, there are memorable moments. I was telling them this morning uh, that I love movies. I mean, I love movies. I love, I'm thinking about buying a red box and putting it in the church. You come, get the word, leave, get your movie. I saved you a trip. Get some food out the resource center. Get you one of them breakfast burritos. Man, you sat. <laughs> I love movies, and, and, and the thing I love about movies is the stories that they tell. You know, truth of the matter is, is that movies can just quickly illustrate the point. They can quickly get to the point, but they don't. They go through all of this story, all of this all of this building to get to this point so that it leaves lasting impressions that touch you in a way that you cannot forget. Anybody ever seen a movie like that? Anybody ever looked at it? Let me see. How many of y'all like movies? Okay. Good. Y'all got it right. The first service, I'm saying, they, the, I said, how many like movies? Five people raised their hand. I said, I know they lying. Now, a movie, you go to the movie, a movie's going to last an hour, it's going to last an hour and a half, it's going to last two hours, and some of those movies that last so long, you can take a nap, go get some popcorn, talk on your phone for a little bit, come back, and they're still in the same place. You've seen 2012. 
But there are movies now, and I'm going to use the same thing I used this morning. There are movies where, despite all of the time the movie takes, there are memorable moments in the movie to where you 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 may not remember anything else, but you remember those moments. So, so and what's love got to do with it? How many of you seen that movie? You seen that movie? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You, uh huh. Uh huh. A two-hour movie to tell her life story, but you don't remember all of that. You don't remember her growing up in Netbush City Limits and her anime book and all of that, and her mama leaving because her mama. You don't remember all that. What you remember is the limo scene. What you remember is Ike hollering in the, in the limo going down towards the sunset or whatever that was. That's what you remember. In Independence Day, you don't remember everything that Will Smith was doing, and you don't remember the whole storyline and how uh, Jeff Goldblum thought his wife was cheating with the president when she was his campaign assistant, and then when she got the job at the You don't remember all that? But I promise you, you remember when that thing blew the White House up. <laughs> Are you still here? Uh, you, you you don't remember in, in Terminator Two all of the all of the things that happened because T one was horrible, but T two you know was 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 good you know. Oh, I'm the only one that thinks that. You know, T one is the most boring movie on the face of the planet, outside of M Night Shyamalan stuff. <laughs> I'm just joking. Please don't be offended. We love M Night Shyamalan. And we believe everybody should do what they're called to do. Uh, and so anyway, in Terminator 2, I'm just joking, guys. I'm just having fun. In Terminator 2, you don't remember all the details. You don't remember Sarah Connor and Jack and how Sarah had to go get locked up in the crazy house. And while she was locked up, the, uh, her son got uh, adopted by the family and adopted parents and all this. And you don't remember all that. But you remember at the end when he was lowering himself into that lava. And he started turning into all these different people. You, 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 you. Say memorable moments. So it is in movies. It's the same thing when Jesus was telling parables. There are memorable moments on the inside of these parables. And there's about five of them that stick out to me when I look at the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. First moment that sticks out to me is the Bible says the younger son demands his half of the inheritance. So the father gives them both the inheritance. Now, it's interesting because both of them got the same amount at the same time, but only one wrecked it. It's interesting, both of them got the same amount at the same time, but only one of them was able to take it and destroy that, which means this. Uh, he wanted something he wasn't mature enough for. He wanted too much, come on here, too soon. You know, one of the definitions for prodigal in Greek means soft or underdeveloped, which meant this prodigal son, he was underdeveloped for the level he thought he was ready for. I know you think you're ready for the world, baby, but sometimes you got to enjoy the process that you've got to walk through. I know you want God to give you everything you've prayed for right now, today, at spot on, but God says, if you don't endure this process to mature, when I give it to you, you won't be able to handle it, and you'll lose it and you'll waste it. That's what the prodigal son did. He lived recklessly because he didn't have a vision for his life. That's why Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people what? They cast off restraint. Get this vision in your mind. Uh, not having a vision for your life is getting on I-25, driving 120 miles per hour with no seatbelt on and tent so dark you can't see out the other side. Now, you may get along for a little bit, but after a while, you're going to what? Hit something. And that's what happens when you don't have a vision. And the prodigal son didn't have a vision for his life. All he knew is, I want my stuff and I want it now. Whether I can handle it 
or not. Touch your neighbor and say, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the days where you're eating beans and cornbread, baby, because filet mignon is on the way. And enjoy the days where you're riding the bus and everybody's looking at you like something strange and say, that's all right, because mine is on the way. I'm not, I'm going to enjoy this process. So when I get my car, I keep that thing clean. Enjoy the days that you're renting. You ain't got to worry about pipes bursting and maintenance and stuff. You better enjoy the process. Tell somebody say, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. He wanted too much too soon, and he wasn't able to handle it. I found that sometimes, like Jacob, God will give you a limp and leave it there. And you'll be praying, God, please fix this. God, please fix this. God did that. And God will fix everything else but that. Come on, can we be real? Can, can we tell the truth today? Well, you say, God, you fixed everything in my life but this. And Lord, why won't you fix this? I found out that God sometimes keeps an insurance policy called a problem. And he leaves that problem in your life so that you won't stop serving him. Because if he fixes your limp to where you can start walking right, he knows you that you're going to run. And he knows you're going to run right from him. Amen. You're still here. Say, thank God for my limp. Thank God. Thank God for my limp. But the second, second memorable moment in this story that Jesus is telling is the Bible says, and not many days after, he went to a far-off country. Uh, it, it's interesting because some versions uh, translate far-off country to wilderness. He went to a wilderness. He went to a place where he didn't know anybody. He didn't know anything. He didn't know how the system operated. Here he is, the son of a king. Here he is, a king's kid. Here he is, Revelation 1-6, a king and a priest. And he's trying to go to a place where he's got to be average. I'm going to say that again. See, God's issue with us is not that we are so bad and we're so messed up. No, that's not how God looks at us. God's issue with us is he looks at us and says, why do you want to be a simple human? And Corinthians, Paul writes to the church and he says, you all are behaving like mere humans. Now, that's a bit paradoxical in nature because they are mere humans, but they've got divinity on the inside of them. See, while I'm wearing an earth suit, there's the spirit of God that's living on the inside of me. And God looks at me and says, why are you settling to be human? Why are you settling to live within what you can accomplish and what you can do? When I told you that, if you'll pray and ask him my name, anything that you ask, I'll do it for you. And so he journeys from a place where he's a prince to a place where he's a nobody. Can I tell you, average is easy. And you're at this service today. You're watching wherever you are today because God has called you to be better than average. He's called you to be better than the way everybody else does it. I know everybody else gets away with lazy this and just getting by, but God hasn't called you for something like that. God's called you to be above average. He's called you to be a trailblazer. He's called you to be a pioneer. And sometimes you got to learn how to walk by yourself. The prodigal, watch this. The prodigal son, the Bible says, and then not after many days, he journeyed to a far country, which means he had time to think about what he was getting ready to do. Here's, the, here's how it went down. Beginning of the month, father gets the inheritance. He splits it between the two sons. A few weeks go by, and then all of a sudden, the prodigal decides, I'm leaving. I'm taking my inheritance, and I'm gone. 
I'm taking what you've given me and I'm gone. I'm taking what you've poured into me and I'm gone. See, see, some of you have been on the other side of the prodigal where you've been the one acting as the father. Uh huh. And you've done for people and cared for people. Can I, I didn't tell them this this morning. Can I tell y'all? And you've done for people and you've cared for people and you've poured into people. And you were the one they called in the middle of the night when they needed somebody to pray with them. And you've been there. And all of a sudden, once they get something from you, now they're gone. Anybody ever been there? Any, anybody ever been in a situation like that where you're saying, well, good evening. Good evening is a uh, southern colloquialism that just simply means I'm surprised. So if you get surprised that they don't say, oh, my God, I'm shocked. No, just say, good evening. Somebody going to call you today. Good evening. <laughs> my, here's my question. If he had time to think about it, what kind of toxic thoughts were introduced to him that would make him think he was making the right decision? See, you do understand in the story of the prodigal son, the father is a type of God and the prodigal son is a type of you and I. See, because the prodigal, he was just joining the club. He was wearing his T-shirt. Who was he talking to that made him think he was making the right decision? See, you got to be careful who you walk with. Because some of you are so desperate to have friends and so desperate to have people around you that you end up putting pallbearers around you rather than armor bearers. You, you end up putting people around you that want to see you fail and want to see you go down. See, if you can't celebrate me, then you're going to have to get up out of my life. If you can't pray for me, you're going to have to get the heaven up out of my life. If you can't support me, y'all better definitely. I, I may preach it like I want to. The prodigal son, but the Bible doesn't tell you, is for weeks he sat up talking to folks that were convincing him there was something greener on the other side. And you've got to be careful when you think that there's something better than serving God. You've got to be careful when you think there's something better than giving your life to Jesus. Because while it may look greener, when you get to that other side, baby, I'm here to tell you it's a mirage. Somebody was in his ear. Making him think he was making the right decision. And the sad part about it is, is that even though he had been in the father's house, the Bible doesn't tell us approximately how old he was, but he was old enough to know that there was an inheritance. Which means he was old enough to know good from right. I mean, right from wrong, rather. <laughs> good from right. He was old enough to know right from wrong. He, he was old enough to know that, and here he is letting somebody get in his ear and mess with him. John 10.10 10 says, the thief, can I, can I, can I just take it up? John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly now. Everybody thinks the thief right there is the devil. Wrong. If you read that passage in context, Jesus is talking, he deals with shepherds and hirelings. He deals with people that are there to care for you and then people that are there to rape and pillage you. Oh, I need you to hear what I'm saying today. Everybody that shows up looking like a sheep ain't a sheep. Sometimes they've been to the sheep depot to buy some sheep clothes and... The truth is there's a ravenous wolf that lies beneath, thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah, and Rototo and Mitsubishi and Subaru and Honda. There's, a, there's an animal behind there that is after you to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you still here? 
So he got some toxic thoughts that 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 perplexed me. It was befuddling to me because I was trying to figure out who made him think that leaving the covering of his father's house where he was a prince and going to the wilderness where he was a nobody. Who made him think that that was smart? I've heard common sense is the least of the common senses. And we see it demonstrated in the story. But to the third memorable moment, the third memorable moment, the Bible says when he spent all, there was a famine and he began to be in want. Now that was an opportune time for him to come to himself and say, okay, I was wrong. I ain't got no more money. My friends are gone because they were here for my money. And I'm in want. That was a perfect time for him to go to his father and repent. You know repentance. You, you, you know the Hebrew word teshuva, which means to turn around, which means if I was headed this way, repentance means I turn around and I head this way. See, repentance is not apologizing. Apologizing is just that. It's I apologize. Repentance is I apologize and here's how I'm going to fix it. Now, I need you to get that because the scripture does not say he is faithful and just to forgive them that apologize. So a lot of saints are saying, I apologize, I apologize, and ain't nothing changed because that ain't what the Bible say. The Bible, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive them that repent. God, I apologize, and here's how I'm going to fix it. He, he, that was an opportune time for him. He wasn't out there that long. He could have came back and repented to his father. But there was one big problem in the way. His pride. His pride would not let him do what he knew was the only solution to fix his problem. Now, I know we don't want to talk about pride, but, 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 but I'm going to do it anyhow because I got the microphone. Pride is dangerous because it's a killer. Bishop, how do you know pride is a killer? Because the Bible tells you pride always comes before fall. Do you know Adam was not even cast out of the garden because of his sin? He was cast out of the garden because of his pride about his sin. See, you think God can't use it because you got issues. No, I'm going to tell you that's a lie. But when you get prideful about your issues, it was his pride that made him leave. Bishop, how do you know? When God goes to him, God says, hey, where you been? I love doing that. I love illustrating it because it never gets old because Adam and Eve get behind a tree. <laughs> there go God. Move, move, girl. There go God. Back up. Shh. Breathing all heavy. Stop. Can't take you nowhere. Just be. As if God couldn't see him. God says, Adam, what's going on? What's going on? And, and Adam, at that moment, like the prodigal, could have said, I was wrong. We was messing in the cookie jar. Adam didn't do that. You know what he did? He got prideful. That woman. And you know what the woman did? Woman said, oh, you think you're going to do me like that? I'm not the one. That devil. If God would have let the serpent respond, I'm sure he would have said, I, them cows over there were sitting and talking to me. Say pride. pride. 
pride, pride is a dangerous thing because pride will always make you prove something nobody even cares about. I'm going to say that again. Pride will make you prove something nobody even cares about. Nobody's even paying attention to. You're sitting up here trying to make folk everything is good, and you're sitting in here, and you're sitting up in here, and got stuff out in the parking lot trying to make folks think you got this, that, and the other. And the truth of the matter is, is if you don't get that $150 to them by tomorrow morning at 10, That's why I love a place like Harvest where we don't have to be phonies and fakes and trying to put on and put off so people think this and that and the other. See, I'm not talking about nobody else, but I thank God for this house because I ain't got to put on for you. We wearing the same t-shirt, partner. Pride is dangerous. Pride, pride is dangerous. It's, it's dangerous because he could have went to his father and repented, but he didn't. And, and here's what's interesting. He felt he had something to prove to his father. He wanted to prove to his father, see, I don't have to do it your way for it to work. I don't have to, do, I don't have to follow your rules for it to work. Look at how great my life is. That's how long that lasted. But then he felt like he had something to prove to his older brother. See, some of you, you've been the older brother, not literally, but you've been the older brother figuratively because, see, the older brother is the one always telling the prodigal what they need to quit doing and what they need to do right. You know you got a cousin right now that they don't have answer your calls because they know when you call it, you're going to be telling them, did you go to church today? What you do? What you? Come on, y'all. Did you pray today? What's going on? What's going on? We just go with you because y'all need to get right. Your life, baby, you need to get things set. And you're the older brother. The older brother was telling him, boy, you out of your mind. Why are you finna leave daddy's house? We got all of this, man. We got all the food we want. We got all the stuff we need. Everything that you could possibly need is in the father's house. And you want to leave. Why in the world, you boy? You better get off that stuff. He was on that stuff. What was he on? on that Drano. <laughs> Bishop, how do you know it's Drano? Because everybody can buy it from the store and won't be a suspect. <laughs> well, nobody suspects you if you walk out King Supers with some Drano. <laughs> Get in that car and go, go, <clears throat> He was on that Drano. <laughs> but guess what? We've all been on that Drano. That's what it means to join the club and, and, and run a t-shirt. Because you've all felt like you were going to prove something to God. God, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do it this way. Even if you didn't say it verbally, we've said it self-consciously. And, and, and it's the same difference. God, I don't have to do it that way. I don't have to do it that way. To the older brother, listen, I understand. You do your church thing, and I'm going to do me. I got to do me. I got to do... He felt like he had something to prove. And his pride kept him. From repenting to his father. It's a memorable moment because I wonder how many more years did he spend wasted because his pride wouldn't let him get things right. How many folk, not you, you spiritual, but your neighbor, how many folk do they need to get things right but their pride won't let them? How many folk watching online, they don't know we got their IP address? How many people watching online should get something right but they won't? Because their pride wants them to prove something. And they're the only ones that even care about it. The older brother's living the high life. He's like, I'm so glad uh, Tyrone left. Or, uh, if you're Tyrone, please don't be offended. I'm just trying to use, let me use a biblical name. I'm so glad Zacharias left. 
Oh, I, I give you one. I'm so glad uh, Nahum left. Man, I got his car and his room, so I got his closet and my closet. You know. His pride, his pride, his pride. And we've all, whether or not we want to be honest about it or not, we've all let pride get in the way before. And so his pride, instead of letting him get things right, he digs a deeper hole. We, we've all done that. You ever been so far into something to where you got all the way out there and you feel like, well, I already messed up so bad now, I might as well just keep it going. Oh, come on, because we all joined the club. We all wearing the T-shirt. Come on, you've done it. Well, you've been so far out there that you think to yourself, oh, well, I might as well just keep it. You know, I've already done wrong. So two wrongs don't make it right, and another wrong ain't going to make it right. So there's three wrongs plus a half wrong. You know, God is my judge. Yeah, yeah. That's what people go when they don't want to answer to you. You can't judge me. Okay. He digs a deeper hole. But then the fourth, the fourth, the fourth memorable moment of the parable is where the story takes a Tom Clancy twist. For those of you who don't know who Tom Clancy is, he writes very interesting books where they take interesting twists. They're espionage and government stuff and all kinds of things. And, and they take interesting twists because Tom Clancy would have you to believe one thing is happening in the story until all of a sudden in the middle there's a shift. You know, church people like words like shift. There was a shift. Shift. Well, we can't explain what's going on in our lives. It's just shift. What happened with someone? It's a shift. God shifted things. So Tom Clancy, he's a prophet. He didn't even know. He said it's a shift. Because in verse 15, the story gets real interesting because the Bible says, look at verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, I got a problem with the verse because the verse says he joined to a country. How do we switch from a country to a he? No, y'all missed it. That's okay. The early service did too. Verse 15. Then he, who's the he? The prodigal, went and joined himself. Who's that? The prodigal. To a citizen of that country. What's that? The wilderness. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. The prodigal don't own no fields. He don't own no swine. No, y'all still ain't got it yet. Who is he? No, no, I, I want you to get it. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That country turns in the middle of the verse from being a literal place to a person. See, the problem is the prodigal son thought he was getting freedom when he left his father. I don't have these rules. I ain't got this. I don't have that. I can do what I want to do. It's my thing, and I can do it the way I want to do it. But the problem is the prodigal son didn't understand when he left his father, he initiated the default clause. The default cause means one or the other. There is no in-between. That's why James 4 and 4 says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, the prodigal thought he was free, but he didn't realize when he joined himself to that 
country or that system called the world. He made himself a slave to Satan, helping further Satan's agenda in the world. That's how the story goes from that country to his fields. He didn't understand that when he was joining himself to that system, when he's a king and a priest, and he joined himself to the system of the world, that he was signing up to serve Satan. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wear a pentagram to be a Satanist. He, 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 he. And I'm not trying to put anybody down or judge anybody, but just tell us the truth. And the worst part is he worked for Satan for free. Bible says he sent him into his fields. Don't record nothing about no money being exchanged. You know the worst thing about not serving God is because by, by default, let me be clear, by default, if I'm not serving God, I am by default serving the enemy. And by default, the worst part about it is you go through all that stuff, he don't even pay you. You may say, well, Bishop, serving God doesn't pay. Oh, you haven't read your Bible. Because Mark chapter 10 says, whatever I lose in this lifetime, houses and money and cars and things, for the kingdom's sake, he's going to pay me back when? In this lifetime? Now. How much? 100 fold. Just your neighbor says, serving God pays, serving God pays, serving God pays. And I don't serve him because it pays, but I'm glad I got benefits. That's why David said, forget not the Lord's benefits, because he's got a wonderful benefits package. But he, he, he goes through this, and he joins himself to a system where he doesn't even understand he's serving the enemy. The one his father used to sit up and tell him about, he doesn't even understand. That's the one he's now serving. But I like the fifth memorable moment in the story. Because the fifth memorable moment in the story says, now when he came to himself. I figured out something about evangelism that we don't talk about. Many times we try to evangelize to people that are still full of themselves. And you wonder why they won't hear you and why they won't come to church with you. It's because there's too much of them still there. Let me say it to you like this. You won't run to God until you've ran out of you. You won't serve God until there's no more of you. Anybody ever had to get to the end of yourself to where you got sick of you, to where you woke up in the morning, looked in the mirror and said, why in the world are you here? I wish you'd get yourself together. I wish you'd. See, when you get one out of you, then God says, no, I can step in. So the prodigal, he finds himself in a pig pen, playing around with pigs, playing with swine, wishing he could eat what they're eating. And then the Bible says, but then after all of that, he comes to himself. You know what I think happens? I think he has a flashback. I think he has a flashback of the joy he had. When he was in his daddy's house. I, I think he has a flashback. Anybody ever had a flashback like that? Where, where you say, God, I just got to get out of this. Because I know I've experienced it before. I know there's better than this. Because I've had it before. I know there's better than this. Because I've lived it before. I think he had a flashback. Where God said, now look at how you're living. And look at how you should be living. And the Bible says, and he comes to himself. Let, let me speak to all of the Jesuses in here. 
You know the Jesuses where you rescue other people from themselves. Come on, 11 o'clock. You know the Jesuses. The Jesuses. Where when other people have a problem, you lay your family down to go fix their problem. Shikara. You know Jesus. It's all right because we've all joined the club. We've all worn the t-shirt. We've all seen ourselves as Jim Caviezel getting on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. We've all seen ourselves doing that because we've all tried to jump in somebody else's problem and fix it. If I can just talk to them and fix them, they're crazy. And until they come to the end of themselves. See, I figured out uh, being a pastor, I'm built in, I, I, I have compassion and mercy and all those things. And thank God for it, because I, I love my congregation. Some pastors, they preach because it's a good business. I, I do it because this is what I'm called to do. I couldn't see myself doing else to do. And I love every one of the people of Harvest Christian Center. And you may say, listen, well, so-and-so, my mama don't like you. That's all right. Forget your mama. Well, Bishop, my cousin don't like you. That's all right. I don't like them either, but thank you to God. Amen. I'm joking. So because I have a love for people, I found myself sometimes jumping in fights for people and jumping in situations for people, calling myself being super pastor when I was really in the way pastor. Y'all not saying nothing. Don't you sit up here and leave me up here by myself. You done done the same thing, calling yourself trying to fix. I'm going to talk to my kids. I'm going to fix them. Sometimes you need to let them get to the end of themselves. They're 35. If they don't understand now, you can't fix it no how. God is going to have to get them straight. I found sometimes... And here's what I love about the story of the prodigal son. The father never went to look for the son. The father said, if you don't understand how good you got it here, boy, you, you don't that stuff. I'm not coming to look for you. You're going to have to come back to me. See, see, part of the issue that some folks got in life is that they think the church is supposed to go chase them. They think you're supposed to go chase them because they won't answer your calls no more. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And they won't answer your emails no more. And so they act like you're supposed to chase them. But you better read your Bible because in the Bible the Father said, I'm going to be here when they get their mind right. But I'm not chasing nobody. I refuse to want something or somebody more than it wants me. So, so he came to the end of himself. Now you say, Bishop, what are the messages? Join the club, wear the t-shirt. Okay, I get that. I've been there. I've done that. So Bishop, how is it exactly that I join this club? What's the club name? Well, we've all been prodigal before. How do we join the club? One reason. The father loved the son enough to let him leave. Sometimes because of your love for folk, you got to let them do what it is they feel they got to do. 
I know you're trying to talk him out of it because you know where it's going to end up and you know that it's going to mess him up. And you tried to, I tried to tell her. I bought a background report on the fella. I got a credit report on the fella. I tried to tell her. I tried to tell him, Bishop, to leave that gal alone. I got report. I got, I got a private investigator. We got all kinds of evidence. Maury want to do a show. I tried to tell her. But sometimes your love for people has to let them do whatever it is they want to do. He, he loved him enough to let him leave. Here's how we join the club. Y'all ready? Because we've all been there. We've all been in that. Here's how we join the club. God loved you enough to let you blank. Whatever your blank is. See, your blank's different than your neighbor's blank. And person sitting behind you, their, their blank is different than, than the other person's blank. See, see, Bishop, 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 what do you mean God loved me enough to? See, because God was talking about himself in the parable of the prodigal son, God loved you enough to let you fail. God loved you enough to let you lose your business. He, he loved you enough to let them lock you up. He loved them enough to let them cheat on you. He loved you enough to let you lose your money. He loved you enough to let you lose your car. He loved you enough to let you stop coming to church. He, he loved you enough to let you stop praying. He loved you enough to let you stop giving. He loved you enough to let you fall. Because God knows that sometimes the only way to appreciate what you have is to lose it for a season. God knows sometimes the only way for you to appreciate where you're at in life is to no longer be at that place and see other people get to that place and wish you could be in that place. Are you still here? But I love a member of the church that had an accident a few weeks ago, and, and they said this, Though I fell down and hurt myself, God controlled how I fell. No, 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 you, 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 you didn't get that. You didn't get that. See, see, the scripture says the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. But most people don't read the next verse which says, though he falls, the Lord would enlarge the place under his foot. See, you may feel real bad today like God can't use you and you're full of shame and you're full of guilt. I'm telling you, come out of that shame. Come out of that guilt. Though God loved you enough to let you fall, when you fell, he controlled how you went down. Because you could have lost your mind. You could have blown your brains out. But you still... He controlled how you fell. Some of the stuff you was doing, you ought to be... You just didn't get caught. Some of the stuff you didn't dealt with, you ought to be an episode of Snapped. You said, Bishop, I, I, I don't need no reality show. My life is... Real world. I got the real world. Though you fail, God controlled how you fail. That's why I didn't kill you. That, that's, why, that's why you didn't go crazy. That's why you didn't lose your mind. Anybody ever fail? Come on. We all joined the club. We all wearing the same t-shirt. Though you fail, he controlled how you went down. I, I got to take a 10-second praise break for that by myself. You do what you got to do. Because the thankful people, the thankful people don't mind saying, thank you for not letting me lose my mind. Thank you. 
Other people went through what you went through and they're locked up in a hospital somewhere. Other people couldn't handle what you went through. See, they see your glory today, but baby, they don't know your story. They don't know the nights where you cried yourself to sleep. They don't know the times you had to drive in your car and didn't know where you were driving to and you had tears streaming down your face. I'm talking to somebody in the house. They didn't know the times you sat up and said, God, just please take me because I can't handle this. This is too much. I, I can't deal with this. They see your glory, but they don't know your story. See, we're all part of the same club. Be seated. Let me finish. Say, join the club. That's, that's the club that the club is. We've all been prodigal at some point. We, we, we've all done some crazy stuff at some point. You either have, you are, you're getting ready to. But the part I like about this message and this opening message of this new series, Come Home, is the wear the t-shirt part. Because it's not enough to join the club. You're going to have to what? Wear the t-shirt. Now, what does the t-shirt tell the t-shirt tells that you're a member of the club. Y'all think it's going to be deep and spiritual. No, no. It's real simple. Since we've all been prodigal at some point, and we know how hopeless we were, how meaningless we felt, our job is now to keep others from feeling that way. That's what it means to wear the t-shirt. See, see, what Satan wants you to do is think you're the only one that's ever had to go through something and you ought to be ashamed of what you had to go through because you knew better. But I'm here to tell you that's a lie. I'm here to tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm here to tell you that there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because all things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. So the reason I wear my T-shirt is I use my experiences to build others up, not tear them down. I, I use my experiences not to condemn others for what I maybe have done myself. I use my experiences so I'm not a phony, baloney, hot-breath Christian it ain't got nothing valuable to say but a bunch of religious rhetoric. Y'all not saying nothing. I wear my t-shirt and I keep it real with people. I wear my t-shirt because I'm comfortable with my history. Because some of your t-shirts, they don't say come home. Some of your t-shirts say molested, beaten, abused. And your t-shirt is stained with blood and sweat and tears and eyeliner and all other kinds of things. Your, your t-shirt is stained and your t-shirt is damaged. But don't you be ashamed of your t-shirt because your neighbor's wearing one too. Which means when somebody comes to you and they say, oh man, I've been through this. Don't sit up and get them a bunch of spiritual talk. Well, you know, no, no, you don't even want to hear that when you're in the middle of that yourself. What you do is you put your t-shirt on and say, man, I was right there myself. And let me tell you how I came out of that. I know about going back and forth and wanting to be for God one moment and wanting to knock the world out of somebody the next moment. I know how that feels like. So let me put my t-shirt on and let me help you because I've been there and I've done that. You're not the only one been locked up. What you ashamed of it for? You ain't there no more. 
You ain't the only one been through a divorce. You ain't, you ain't the only one lost some money. You ain't the only one been through bankruptcy. You're not the only one that lost a car through repossession. You're not the only one that woke up in the morning and thought somebody stole your car to only call the bank and found out it wasn't stolen. They came and got their property. You ain't the only one. That's why it's so important, Harvest, that we're not ashamed of our history. We're not ashamed of where we come from and where we've been. Because why you think don't nobody care, or why you think, oh, I don't want to say nothing, that's what people want to hear. That's what they need to hear. I said this last week, it kind of coalesced. You know what helps me as a pastor? Is that I talk to other pastors and they tell me their problems. Is that Bishop, Bishop, why does that help you? Because it lets me know I'm not alone. I said, man, you deal with that too? God, dog. Get out of here. Good evening. Wear your T-shirt. Don't be ashamed of it. Somebody comes to you on the bus and you're you quoting scripture. They don't know your Bible. You sitting here quoting what the word of the Lord says. That would have, well, whose word? You talking about the Quran? You talking about the Mormon, Book of Mormon? You talking about the Apocrypha? Talmud, Mishnah, Halakalah? What are you talking about? That's why when I come to church, and we're going to do it in just a moment because I feel a spirit of worship. That's why when I come to church, I come with my head lifted high and my hands lifted high. Because I don't have nothing to be ashamed about. Because I ain't got nothing to prove to you. Because we both got the same t-shirt on. I wish some worshipers in the house. I wish there were some worshipers in the house. I, I wish there were some praises in the house. Our Father, you are so holy. Oh, you're so awesome. Come on, I wish there were some worshipers in the house. Come on, open your mouth, Harvest, wherever you're at, at every campus, open your mouth. Come on, wherever you're at, open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord for his grace, for his mercy. Yes, I can lift holy hands. They may have been dirty yesterday, but that was yesterday. I got new mercy today. I got new grace today. I want to sing that. Father, you're so awesome. Come on, every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. Come on. I just want you right where you're at just to get groups of two or three and just begin to pray for one another. This is the ministry of the saints. Use your t-shirt right now. Use your t-shirt right now. Pray for somebody because somebody's going through something and, and, and they need to know they're not alone. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Everybody with somebody. Everybody with somebody. Everybody with somebody. Everybody with somebody. Hallelujah. 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 How of how you are home. We give you glory and we bless your name. Come on, pray for them today. Pray for them. We give you glory. We give you You're my Father. You're so holy. You 
give you all the glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. And we bless. And we bless your name, our Father. Come on, say it in harmony. You are holy. We give you glory. We give you glory. And we bless your name. Not ashamed of your t-shirt, throw your hands up and bless it. Not ashamed of my t-shirt, throw your hands up and bless it. Hallelujah, we give you. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.